You are listening to World Harvest Church's weekly podcast. WHC is a cross-cultural church with passion for reaching the lost and hurting. We are mission-minded and committed to raising up generations of mighty men and women of God. If you're in the Atlanta area, check us out on Sunday mornings at either 9 or 11.15 a.m. or on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. From wherever you're listening, we hope this week's message empowers you to grow and go. So I'm going to be splicing in as I teach. I'm going to do a different kind of sermon today. I actually got a 10-point sermon. Oh, my Lord, a 10-point sermon. We'll never get out of here. Well, I'll try to get past point one today. No, but it's 10 points because I want to put something you can hang on. And my title is Principles for Raising of Godly Christian, Godly Children. Principles of Raising Godly Children. And my verse is out of Genesis 18, 19 about Abraham. was what God spoke about Abraham and his family. And I'm going to read out of the Amplified. So we'll come across a little louder today. I know that's corny. For I have known, chosen, acknowledged him as my own. So that he may teach and command his children. You got to not just teach and command. And the sons of his house after him to keep the way of the Lord. And to do what is just and righteous, so that the Lord may bring Abraham what he has promised him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. The children are a heritage of the Lord. We thank you for the gift of children. The greatest joy, yet the greatest challenge. And Lord, your word is a manual on how we ought to raise them. And in this day, Lord, we are looking to you for impartation of wisdom and encouragement in Jesus' name and instruction on how we, too, can raise up godly children to your glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. It's amazing that Abraham, and by the way, I want to do a little disclaimer. Don't receive any condemnation today. Amen? Just always know this. God doesn't have any failures in his kingdom, only learners. Amen? And there's no such thing as a perfect family or perfect children. So everybody breathe in and breathe out. Praise the Lord. It's going to be okay. Everyone does the best that they can, but there is knowledge available through the word, and you can be a better parent, and you children can be better children. I know it sounds... They said, you're going to talk to me as a, as a teenager? Yes. Amen. Raising teenagers is a challenge. It's like trying to nail jello to a tree. It is. And when you start off with your children, you have a great influence. But as they get older, teens, the influence of parents begins to shift. And they reach out for other influences. So... Your best shot if you're a, a starting parent is start young. Those first five or six years set the tone. Amen. By the time they are adults, you ever mix concrete? 
As you mix it, it's soft. You can stir it. But after a while, it sets and becomes a rock. This is my job with adults. They're thoroughly mixed and set. And so we have to blow up the concrete, grind it down, re-put the water. And it's a lot of work. It's so much easier to take children that are open to God. Did you know children are open to God? You know, if a child five dies, going straight to heaven. Their spirit's alive to God. The Bible says in Romans, Paul said, hey, the law came and I died. Meaning that when I knew what was right and wrong, my spirit chose the wrong. My spirit died. So kids are open. That's a, there's a reason why children come to God. That's why we have street reach. If they won't come to church, we bring the church to them. By the way, give a shout out to all the street reach workers. In Jesus' name. But it's amazing. God said, now listen, I chose Abraham because I know how he runs his household. He's a spiritual head. And he's not going to teach, but he's also, I like that command. You know, you ask some kid something, well, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Let's make one thing short and clear, that I'm in charge. Your household, mom and dad, you should take the authority of your household. These little kids that run the house, and, and it, it gets exposed in restaurants. You know, I'm trying to eat a steak under the PC. You know, I got a little entertainment cloth, a little flower there, a little candle. And I said, remind me not to come here. And you look at the parent. Do you not see your kid is disturbing the whole place? Oh, little poopsie. They just think it's cute. And I, I, I want to get up and not slap the kid. I want to slap the parent. I just want get a grip in Jesus' name. No, I'm not, I'm not venting. I'm just, I'm just sharing. <laughs> it said, children are a heritage of the, of the Lord. I looked at the word heritage. It means inheritance. You think about it. It's the greatest gift God can give you as a child. You think about it. And it's your heritage because, you know, the next verse says, you know, happy is the man whose quiver is full of them. Because really your child is your access for, you know, like my kids. They're going to take care of me when I get older, in Jesus' name. <laughs> I'm not sowing this for nothing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm trying to say is that our posterity is through your children. You know, God looked at Abraham saying, listen, I'm just seeing Abraham, but I'm seeing Isaac, I'm seeing Jacob. I see his posterity going all the way down the line to Jesus. And, and I've got to have a man that sets it right. He's got to get the agenda right. Because if it gets skewed, we can't, literally God said, I can't accomplish what I'm trying to do through him. And we didn't realize the importance of your children being raised to be godly. And let me just say this, of all the things your child accomplishes, the greatest gift you can give your child is godly character. Amen. Godly character. Amen. And do whatever it takes to get godly character in them. Yes. If some kid's wiling out, put them in organizations where they can get the word in like 24-7. There's a massive commission. They'll put for two years 
You live and you get nothing, but uh, you learn 150 scriptures every year. You're sent to witness. You, you serve and you work in the house of God. And you do it for two years. You come out different. Andrew Kettner, one of our own. Not that he was wiling out, but he was, uh, he was a little wily. But he was, uh, but now he's on fire for God. Maji, Maji, Samara's daughter. She was, you know, a pretty young, sharp-looking, African-American girl. And she had it going on. She was going to school. There she is. Her mother's right there. Stand up, Samira. Stand up. That's her right there. She's right. But, but you know what? Samira's saying, no, 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 no. You're going to the ramp. You are going to the ramp. What is the ramp? Karen Wheaton has it. Thousands of young people have gone through that. One, two, three years. And they take kids that are headed for the world, flip around. What do they do there? They worship God for two, three hours. They pray for two, three hours every day and are taught the word of God. Do you know what happens? Margie now is a leader. I just found out she's a leader there, and she's a preaching machine. So think about this. It is more important that you raise your child to have godly character than a PhD and go to hell. Do you understand that? Godly character is the goal. Godly seed is the purpose for you having kids. And we got to be careful. Don't let the world morph your mind to what success is you can have success in the world but miss the destiny of God and in God's eyes your life was a failure forget what the world says especially in the world we live in today take a gap year two years three years no I gotta get to school they're accelerating so what my own brother we came from he graduated High school when he was 16, graduate college when he was 20. But like in the span of life, so what? Who gives a rip? Don't be over, I just overachieve through my, my kids and want to overachieve. Be careful. If you lose the godly touch on their life, you could create a failure. And I gotta get, I gotta be this strong because parents do not get it. I don't, I'm just, you know, I love everybody. But my son has to deal with all the wonderful youth. And we got wonderful youth, by the way. Our youth, I'm so proud of our youth. I'm so proud of our youth. In fact, I was just got a call. They said, listen, do you have some youth that wants to go to Solomon Islands for a week and do crusades in schools this July? I said, well, let me see. All right, so is, is everybody okay so far? Yes. All right, now here we're going to go. We're going to go through 10 points. And I'm going to bring in, I'm going to, ve- I'm going to, I'm going to weave in the videos at the right time. And, and if, you, if I took your video, I can't show the whole thing, okay? Because, you know, I just take what I need, amen? So don't get offended. I, I, I spent all that time, half an hour, and they only used 30 seconds. Welcome to the world of editing videos. But point number one, this sounds redundant. Maybe you say, well, I know this. First principle, dedicate your child to God at the very beginning. You know, it's an important thing. Did you know that Jesus was dedicated? Mary and Joseph took him to the temple and presented him to the Lord. That's one of the first things you should do. They said, I haven't done it yet. My kid's 16. Put him up here in Jesus' name. (laughs) We'll dedicate him in the name of Jesus. Dedicate, and that's a simple thing, but important. 
Because really, you, what you're saying, even Hannah dedicated. First Samuel 2, he said, listen, I give, you know what? He says, she said, I lend him to the Lord. Do you know what? Your child is alone from God. It really is. He or she is alone from God. And we need to have that same heart. But number two, teach your children the fear of the Lord. The Bible said that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. That is out of Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Is the beginning. They said, why do we fear? Well, what do we fear? Fear means, and people say, well, it's reverence to God. But I want to also, we use that word too much. When God showed himself in the book of Exodus on the mountain, and the mountain shook and the clouds came down and, and there was lightning and, and thundering and the voice of a trumpet, it scared those people. They were afraid that they might die. I mean, there is something about God, his awesomeness, his power. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. And so teach your children, don't mess with God. He's a God. Well, I just want to talk about the love of God. Be sure you cover all aspects of God. Yes, he's a God of love. But understand this. The same God that can save your soul is the same God that will send it to hell if it doesn't receive Christ. So understand the severity here. Understand that you cannot break the law of sowing and reaping. What you sow in your life, you will reap. Understand that. Teach your children that. Teach your children the fear of God. It gets quiet, but it's true. And what I'm telling you, it's true. And so we got to respect God. It's really like um, the Ecclesiastes 12, 13. After all, you know, uh, Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. Do not read the book of Ecclesiastes if you're depressed. <laughs> because at the end of the book, you're sure to pull the trigger. I'm telling you, you'll just, well, that's it. All is vanity, vanity. It's all a waste of time. And I'm out of here. But he said that at the end of everything, Solomon had everything any man could ever want. And yet he said, the end of it all is this. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is for this is man's all. Fear God. Fear is like this, I may not know all the commandments right or wrong, but if I fear God, I won't do something. I will not do something because I know there's repercussions. I'll be honest, I love my dad, but I feared my dad. I mean, I had great respect because when he said I was getting a whipping, I was always getting whipped. I mean, two days, two days may go by. I thought, man, he forgot. I still got to give you a whipping. I said, oh, man. But my dad, like I said, he loved me. <laughs> Teach your children the fear of the Lord. Teach them respect for a holy God and their consequences. Teach them about the consequences. I like to point people out. You see that? Kid over there, you see that family over there? That's what happens when you don't fear God. There's a, not to be honest with you, there's a lack of fear of God in the body of Christ. We're blase. We can do whatever we want to do. 
you know, uh, sometimes hardship runs people, most times, runs people to God. When you run out of your credit, your cards are maxed, your job quits, you, you, I mean, I can go on and on, I can stack it up, but that's why you go to foreign countries. There is no credit. In Africa, you see a guy driving a car, he owns it. You see a guy having a house, he owns it. There's no debt in Africa. Why? Because there's no credit. That's actually a good thing. Because if you're in an African country, you must believe God. You have to believe God. Because there's a pressure on you. But we, we know we, got, we can put the pressure on credit. Uncle Visa. <laughs> and Aunt MasterCard. We just keep pushing it off. Amen. So these are not... Now I'm getting a little deeper now. So I'm just kind of working my way down here. Then teach your people, teach your children. And this sounds like fun, but you got to tell your children that God sees everything. Tell them that. God is watching you. Always remind yourself that. God's watching me. Forget NSA. We got God. He can see everything from heaven. In fact, he can see the very motives of your hearts. He knows every thought of your heart. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows everything. So everything you do is under a giant microscope. Every action. I'm very aware. When, I, when it's offering time, God's watching me. When my service to the Lord, God's watching me. God has his eye. You know, Psalm 139 basically says it. He says, if I make my bed in hell, there you are. I can go to the depths of the sea. There you are. I cannot escape your presence because there you are. You remember the little song we used to sing? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Remember that? Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Remember that? Be careful, little mouth, what you say. Be careful, little hands, what you do. Yeah, this took an hour. Be careful, little... <laughs> then the class was over. <laughs> Be careful, little feet, where you go. But, but you, what's the song teaching? Oh, because your father up above is looking down in love. Meaning that nothing escapes him. It's like people, when they see the boss, all of a sudden, they know that he's being, they're, they're being watched. All of a sudden, their alacrity picks up. They were just laying down there, drinking a Coke, and taking it easy. You know, you know what I'm talking about? If anyone's worked, have, have to manage people. You know they cry for it. You come around in, in a room that's supposed to work, everybody stands up, hey, 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 and act like, and you know, I'm sorry. I mean... <laughs> You're sucking up the time. That's why nothing irritates this pastor more than I got workers. If someone just slowly walks, and I'm thinking of the clock. Then they go into the bathroom, and that biological enterprise takes 20 minutes. And then they come out. Then they go to the water fountain. I said, my God, my God. 
we had a guy here, man, and I love him. He could be here, but man, he was sitting. <laughs> and, and, and I, I, but I just challenged. I said, he was just, I said, wait, I'm just sitting, resting. I said, let me say, he said, I said, get up. Uh, we work here. If you go to this church, we work. Go get a T-shirt and put it on. I look at it all the time. Get to get, just look, get to get, get to get. In the name of Jesus. I, I have to get really going. All right, let's move right along. Number, number four. Number three. I already did three. So God sees everything. That was, I mean, God sees everything. Teach your children that God sees everything. Number four, teach your children to obey their parents. No, they don't. No, 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 they don't. You have to teach them to obey. They, they don't automatically obey. In fact, they're programmed to disobey. I know some kids are more compliant. We didn't have any. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dish. <laughs> Did you know? uh, this is funny. I got all my three kids are here. It's funny. This is, uh, uh, they're not laughing. But <laughs> Exodus, you know, the, the fifth command, it says this, honor your father and mother that it may be well with you, and that you might live long on the earth. That the, you know, it's like, come on now. That's in the, that's in the commandments. Ephesians 6, 1, 2, 3, it says, children, obey your parents. Man, I got God behind me. I got a bigger stick. You want to live, live a short life? <laughs> Mess with me. You're going to have a short life. I like that. God said, I'll put, a, I'll put some clout behind you. No, we got to teach them to obey. Teach them to obey. And, you know, the Bible says, uh, then the, on that verse 4, he talks about you fathers do not, uh, you know, don't provoke your children, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. I love the word training. Training is different than teaching. Training. You say, okay, now you need to be a worker. Uh-huh. You need to get to work. Uh-huh. Training is when you get them out of bed on Saturday and say, now we're going to train you. Oh, I don't feel like getting right now. No, this is training. Get up. Training is that you show them what to do. And, 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 and it has to deal with... I'm going to let Joanny. You do it, Joanny. You do better than I do. This is Joanny, the mother of three wonderful boys. Go ahead. I, I understood that the Word of God was putting in me and that it was my responsibility to lead them to Jesus, to lead them to God, because I, I was going to answer to God for my three children. And um, I remember when they were little and I started my walk with God again, um, I would go into the car with them, we were driving, and I will sing a song to them. Um, and I would say, the song says, um, he sees what I do, he listens what I say, my God writes all the time. And we will sing that song, and while they were in the car seat in the back, 
because I wanted to put the fear of God in them. And that's why, that's how I, I started like growing them spiritual, spiritually and how um, I, I, I started teaching them about God and who God was. Um, there are some parents that they pay allowances to their kids to bring out the trash. And that was a no-no in my house. I don't believe in that. I provide you um, a home. I provide you uh, food and I give you love and this is your house. Uh, you are under my authority and you are under uh, my responsibility. And um, you know, if you, if I, if you are disobedient and then I tell you that, okay, I want you to do this. And when you do this, you can go out and play with your friends or so on. Um, and if they don't do it, I always tell them, um, our decisions are gonna bring consequences and the consequences are gonna be either bad or good, depends on your decision. Um, for example, my kids never had a cell phone until they were 16, 17. Parents are lacking authority, not in a criticizing way I'm saying this, but the first thing I would say to a parent, if you tell your kid, give me your phone, for example, you are grounded for whatever reason, you have to keep your word. You cannot back off of what you already said. If you tell them, I'm gonna count to three, and if, for example, and if you don't do this, I'm gonna take your phone away, you have to keep that word that that's what's gonna happen because your kids are not going to listen to you if they know that you are gonna change your mind. You need to keep your word. If you say they grounded, they grounded. If it's for three days, it's for three days. And um, I also recommend to the parents that they have to be persistent. That was something that, um, that I practice and it, it brings results. Yes, it does bring results. Yes, it does bring results. Hallelujah. Thank you, Joanne. That was really powerful. Number five, train your children through biblical discipline. Now, I heard about this grounding. I didn't grow up with much grounding. Does it grounding? Okay, you can't eat this or you can do this. I mean, <clears throat> we got to look at the B-I-B-L-E. Proverbs 11 Proverbs 3.11 says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Amen. And nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Just as the father the son in whom he delights. Children have wills. And have you ever heard of this? I love what Charles Thompson. How to... Discipline of the strong-willed child. Remember you saw that book, The Strong-Willed Child? My, my wife grabbed it and said, that's my kids. <laughs> Especially one individual. <laughs> it said, but if you think about it, what's going on with the child? I'm, listen to me. They may be headed to heaven if they die before the age of accountability, but there's rebellion in their flesh. 
Rebellion is nothing but to refuse to obey. I will not obey. That's rebellion. And if you do not get a hold of it early and drive it out of them, your, rebellion, your rebellious child will grow up to be a rebellious adult. And here's the deal. If you don't train them to listen to authority, the world will train them when they get out there. But the world doesn't use words and encouragement. The, the world uses tuba force behind the head. It has got to be trained to our kids. You cannot get away with disrespecting me. You've got to learn to train them to give respect. I don't know what happened to the good old Southern, but wait, was we were trained, yes, ma'am, no, sir. Yes, ma'am, no, sir. I come from the English background. You never address somebody of an adult with their first name. It was always Mr. So-and-so, Mr. Smith, Mr. Whatever, because you were trained to respect. It's just the aspect of we have a disrespectful society. We were trained when a teacher walked in the room, you stood up. Now they throw spit wads at him. I know God knows what. I mean, but, but, but that has to be trained. And the discipline is the key. You cannot allow your kid to get away from the discipline. And some disciplines, this going to the room. <laughs> Go to your room. Well, great. Now they got their phone. They're going to have a grand time. I mean, it's really not much of a hurt. Amen. <laughs> but I want to read some scriptures. Now, bear in mind, I know this is on YouTube. And I know you have different opinions. But I'm just going to read the B-I-B-L-E. Do you mind? So I didn't write this. <clears throat> Here we go, Lord. <laughs> Proverbs 23, 13, and 14. Um, Do not withhold correction from a child. For if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod. <laughs> People are leaving the church over this. But you'll beat him with a rod <laughs> and deliver his soul from hell. Amen. Now listen, you don't abuse children, but God put that rear end there and patted it for a reason. <laughs> there is, there is, the way to hit a, a kid without bruising, without putting balls, but they get to know. You remember that time? So I got you three here. <laughs> we were conducting a service. It was a Sunday night. And I was leading worship. And you three were acting up. I mean, they were poking each other, jumping around. And I did the eye thing as a parent. Because here, I'm singing hallelujah. <laughs> and with my eyes, I could let them know, stop it. They never quit. They just went on and on. And in my mind, I said, forget the grounding. <laughs> Afterwards, I said, come here. You three were messing up in the house of God on the front row. You're the pastor's kids. I said, you are getting a whipping. Go home. Now, listen, you don't whip out of anger. I prayed in the spirit before I got to Hatta Baba Sakadaya. 
You don't do it in anger, but you got to do it. You say, listen, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Well, that's a... I don't, know why, I don't know why we tell them that. <laughs> Kid turns around, seriously. <laughs> but I forgot what I used, but I used something. I used an instrument. Can you, it was the belt. Okay, see, Chris still remembers. It was the belt. It was the belt. You know, let me tell you how you straighten out a kid. Bend him over. I mean, this is, I said, you're going to get it. Whack, whack, whack. There's a whack, 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 whack. Let me say this to you. When the kids are so, listen, we love you. You hug them. Do you realize you're freeing guilt off them? It's, I'm telling you, you're releasing it. My daughter, for one year, worked the special, what do you call it? Behavioral disorder class. She came to me and said, Dad, I can't take it. I said, at least half of these behavioral disorder people, all they need, take them out back and give them a whooping. He said, one whooping would straighten them out. They are misbehaved. But then the parents come along. Now, the par- listen to your parents. Your little Johnny's not always right. Little Susie Q actually messes up. But parents will defend. And so in schools, it's like if you touch a child if you hurt the feeling the teacher gets accosted that's crazy you know you understand something your child if it's not corrected you listen to me you are creating a very difficult situation for your life because when they hit teenagers you can't no longer whip them whip them because they'll take the belt off of you and whip you so that's <laughs> But no, really, you can't do that because it has a negative. You can do it when they're young. But seriously, after about 12, forget it. You got it. It's back to grounding. Amen. Is everybody okay out there? And so I got another scripture. I I started looking these up, but I had to stop. I said, (laughs) Proverbs 22, 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, and the rod of correction will drive it from him. Amen. And so we need to understand that godly discipline is where we take the Bible and you don't allow them to get away with stuff. And you say, well, I don't want to ever do that. I'm from Sweden. It's, well, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's on you, but here's what the Bible did say. God gave me permission. My mother would use the mixing bowl, spoon. Amen? But my dad wasn't around. But my dad, it was always his belt. And I was never bruised, wealth, nothing. But my dad was a great dad. I love my dad because without him, I would not be behind this pulpit preaching. I may have been some jail somewhere because I I was a stubborn, rebellious kid who needed Biblical, biblical correction. <laughs> my mother was the same. My mother had the fastest hands in the West. If you said something that was wrong, 
It came out of nowhere. I mean, she was like, don't ever say that again. One time, I'm sitting, it was in the summer. My dad was in business, and, and we're, us, my two brothers sitting around the table. And we're, we're all just running around. I had my shorts on, I had no shirt, and we're, this big ice pitcher of water. I remember huge. And I remember I was eating my hamburger, and all I remember, I said something that was disrespectful. And next thing I know, the entire gallon of water with all the cubes is on me. And I said to her, ah, 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 ah. she said, don't you ever say that again. I won't, I won't, I won't. So you do what it takes. All right. Now I want to talk number six. Protect your children from ungodly influences. Protect your children from ungodly influences. We used to say, you know, patrol the TV. Those days are gone. It's the, now the phone. I want the phones to show what they do. Talking about boundaries with our kids with their cell phones, um, when they were younger especially, because they got cell phones when they were in middle school and started being home alone in the afternoons before we got home from work. Um, part of what we did was that there was zero expectation with privacy for our children. So at any point, they, they weren't allowed, they could have um, a passcode on their phone, but we had to know what it was. And at any point, we would take their phones from them and just, you know, Ben would say once a week, cell phone check, and he would just go through their phones and see what they're doing. And so we didn't have to do that all the time because if the expectation is that at any point you could be verified what you're looking at, um, they tend to not look at things that they shouldn't. So that was part of it. And then the other thing that we did in the summertime was, I'll let you speak about that with the data. Yeah, so we would turn the data off on their phones so that the only way that they could use it other than it being a phone would be for uh, through Wi-Fi. So what we would, what I would do every morning before we would leave uh, for work in the morning is I would change the password to the Wi-Fi so they didn't even have that. And what that did, what they had to do was they had a list of chores every day that we would write down. It'd be on the kitchen table, and they had to take a picture with their phone and then send it to us through a text or send it to me actually. And then I would give them the password to the Wi-Fi. Now, if one of them got done before the other, uh, they were pretty competitive. So they would not give it to the other person because the other one didn't feel like they earned it. But yeah, that's how we would do it. There's a lot of apps on your phone that you could use. Uh, there's a lot of apps out there um, that you can, where you can control what they can see and what they can't see. However, I think that, you know, just, Knowing how, knowing that they had to, you know, give up their phone and there was no expectation of just, you know, I, we would go through their, through their, uh, whatever social media they were on. We would go through uh, all of their text messages. Mm -hmm. We would go through any emails that they had. Um, they just, there was zero expectation of that. So, uh, that was a pretty good indicator if they didn't want to give up their phone that, that we knew of something that was going on. So that's how we did it. Can I just say something? I have done a question. I've questioned people about their kid's phone. I've got uh, one uh, parent said, oh, no, I don't even allow, allow my kid. You know, they've got to be 12 or 13 before they even have a phone. And we just heard Joanne, 17, 16, 17 before they have a phone. But I have to deal with my son, the number one, hurtful agent that a child has is that phone. 
if it's uncontrolled, what happens is they will binge watch terrible shows. It affects them. They become demonized. You may not think so. They become demonized. And then we have to deal with it in the youth. And so really the problem is the parent. Let me talk about this a minute. Passive parenthood is a killer. Eli was a passive parent. He allowed his sons to sleep with the women and steal the altar offerings and did nothing. He was one of these whatever. It cost him his son's life. It cost his life. It's work to check out the phone. It's work to get, and listen, if anybody wants help, go see Pastor Chris or Ben Fold. They volunteered their time. Or I'm volunteering it now. But, uh, but if you need help on how to structure your phone so your kids do not have accessibility. But the other thing is they're friends. Evil communication corrupts good manners. The number, I'd say the phone's number one. Number two is the friends you hang with. You've got to understand this. You should know who their friends are. Invite their friends over to your house. If there's a sleepover, it'll be your house, not their house. And you've got to keep control. You cannot be passive. And you've got to realize there are a lot of ungodly influences. Second, uh, 1 John 2, 15, it says, Love not the world, nor the things in the world. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And you've got to protect. Now, you can't completely isolate them. In fact, that's not good to completely isolate them. They've got to be in the world. But you can protect the information they're getting and the influences around them. But that's your job as a parent. All right? Moving right along because I've got to move quicker. Number seven, plant your children in a spiritual church family. Literally, plant them. I mean, say, this is our family outside our natural family. But there's a godly influences. Don't just parent alone. Do you realize that everybody here, there's a source that you can receive from someone else. Everyone has a supply. If, well, I'm a single parent. Even more plug in. There are people that are more than willing to mentor your child. They say, listen, you know, men mentor boys and women mentor girls. And I promise you this. If you'll understand, growing up, how many had other, quote, parents that took care of you or maybe trained you on a skill and, and they were a part of the extended family. Understand, you just can't do this by yourself. And one of the greatest places is to get your child in a church and just for the habit of going. But you got to go yourself. Don't just drop them off, you lazy thing. Come to church yourself. Get out of your bathrobe and come here, get some clothes on and sit here with your children. Now I've got Sister D. Sister D, take it away. I started doing devotion with them in the morning. So each one of them have their own study devotions that come in each morning. They come in my room and we pray and they read their devotion before they leave out the door. So I kid myself with my friends sometimes say, hey, I've done four devotions this morning because, you know, I get to do mine and the girls do theirs. So we get to do devotions every morning, but each one of them have their own. So I, that allows them to have a close, their own relationship with Jesus, not grandma's relationship. 
also, you know, where Harvest always is a go church, right? So therefore they're always going. And I was so tickled the last time for revival that um, Mr. Greg called and said, hey, the girls signed up to Plaza at Flyer for the revival. And I was surprised. I'm like, what? They signed themselves up? So that let me know there that God is doing a work in them. Hey, you know, you get a manual for everything. Like you get a manual for your refrigerator, everything, but you don't get one for children. So that seems a little unfair. You get them, you have to figure out how to raise them, right? And then God reminded me, like a light bulb went off in my head, like, yeah, I gave you a manual and it's the Bible. And I just like, just start laughing to myself, like, whoa. So from that point on, I just start relying on his knowledge and the word and not my knowledge that it's Jesus culture, right? It's not my culture and not the world's culture. It's really Jesus culture. Like how you're gonna decide I'm gonna raise my children Christ's way or I'm going to raise them the world's way. And so once you make up in your mind that you're going to raise them Jesus way, so it's Jesus culture from there. And so just really just going back to, Hey, teaching them to love God with their whole heart, mind and soul, and then loving their neighbor. So really loving themselves and loving others. And so I would just say in today's time, the Bible doesn't change. It's the same. They said Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So if that's the case and things didn't change. Amen, Sister D. She does a phenomenal job. We love Sister D. Does a great job. And number eight. This is the big one. You must personally lead a devoted life Amen. before God. Your children should watch you pray. Your children should hear you talk about God at the table. Your children should know about your giving. My parents would tell us if they were giving large gifts, they let us know. Here's what we're doing. Here's how we're going to give. I was always impressed with my parents. They would always talk about their giving. You should talk about the things of God. And if every, I shared this last week, if you're going to, or a week before. I said, if you're going to talk about any, of anybody in church, speak well of them. Don't run people down. And then, and then you've got to be involved. You've got to be involved in the house. You've got you to lead by example. That is so, so important. And then don't forget this. Uh, don't be so religious you can't have fun. Yes. Amen? Amen? Laugh. Yes. Play. Do fun things together. To me, this is a personal thing. If you want to get close to family, go camping. Because <laughs> everything from bathroom, sleeping, food prep, skeeters, I mean, it's all there. Just go camping. I, 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 I've camped with my son. I've camped with my daughters. I've camped with my wife one time, and that was it. <laughs> my first, our first camping trip, I said, honey, I'll be coming, and we're going to go camping. As we were married, be about within a year. And so I get in the living room, and I thought, what in the world? She had all the stuff she prepared to camping. I mean, we were going to live in the woods for a year at this... <laughs> I said, honey, what's with the electrical fan? There's no place, there's no electricity. I can't take the fan. There's, there's some suffering involved here. And uh, you remember that, honey? And she said, she said, coming back, check, done that. I'm not doing it again. But uh, uh, you got to have fun with the family and understand uh, Sister D. But you've got to, I'd say this. If I'd have put two things It'd be one, your personal walk with God, your influence on your kids. And number two, keeping ungodly influences away from them. 
if you adapt to, to two big ones, you control their environment and you lead a life that they can emulate. Those are the two pillars. If you can do that, you will on your way to have a godly children. And number nine, teach your children to serve. Don't wait. Listen, in this church, we teach when they're this high, start teaching them to serve. Give them a ministry. We have people leading worship in the fusion. We got our own band, maybe two bands. And I mean, it's exciting. So Sister Veronica Best has got this. We got drummers coming up and singers coming up. And, and that's why I love Haniel's children. Haniel, I mean, we open the whole house up. If you want your child to be a hostess or an usher one Sunday, we open it up. And you see little Haniel, Haniel Jr. comes up here. And uh, you see what we do in church. We, we don't give any function to any child and any teen. And so when the time they leave you know, to go to college, they were never connected to the local body because it was just in, they, they just served in the children's ministry. We need to stop that. Let them serve in the children's ministry. Let them serve in outreach. Let them serve. Get them out. Don't, don't be so protective in Jesus' name. Now, I've said this long enough, but I'm going to make a little pulpit. Somebody help me make this. I want to get my little preachers, five, six, seven-year-olds. They got stuff on them. I mean, little Jonathan, for, I mean, Jonathan's son. I mean, that, that man, that little boy will lay hands on you, pray fire. And he will pray for you. Uh, listen, we got to get our kids, get them involved, get them serving, get them working. Come on, come on, come on, come on. And get your kids on mission trips. Get them out there. Save the money, get them out. The age we have, from 7 to 12, they can come if, if mama comes with them. Because we ain't going to babysit your kid. From 7 to 12, mama comes with them, you're part of the trip. Then from 12 on, we'll take them. And we take your kids all over the world. We got three trips planned right now. Malaysia, Honduras, Guatemala. Put your kids in there. And now here's another one. It may be Solomon Islands. But we don't know. Uh, but just, you know, put your money. Get your kids in the fray. Make them step up. Amen. Now I've got a great video on this. And that's the foxes. Go ahead. We inadvertently taught them how to serve. Yeah, that's true. We came to World Harvest and Eric jumped in and the Kidmen and... That's what taught me how to serve. And then <laughs> as we served with Street Reach, we brought right. them with us and they, yeah. they just jumped in on their own and learned the joy and the skills. I mean, they've literally learned new skills with where they've chosen to jump in. Actually, some credit is due to pa Pastor Julie. She's the one that brought Daniel into the tech ministry. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, I remember being at Street Reach and Gabriel was in a stroller. You know, we just we just brought them along. Our goal early was they did whatever we did, but as later as they, you know, got drew closer to God and started to develop their own gifts, we pushed them out and said, you know, encourage them to pursue their own gifts and their own ministries. So, uh, I mean, first and foremost, get them in church, right? You have to get them around the body of Christ. They have to be plugged into the family of God. They, you know, you can't do it alone. None of us can do this alone. Um, so that is absolutely hands down the most important thing you can do for your children's growth. Um, get them before anointed teachers, you know, in, in the children's ministries, um, all that. The, the second thing really is, is, um, is living it out in front of them. You know, they, they should see your spiritual growth. You know, my children, Rochelle's children, I keep saying that our children, let's start that over. Uh, our children definitely have watched us grow spiritually in front of them. You know, we, we're, we're further than we've been. We're not where we're going yet. But the fact is, as we've drawn closer to God, if we've, you know, learned how to do ministry, as we've grown together in Christ, 
we've modeled that in front of our children. So they've seen our ups and downs, they've seen our mistakes, and they've seen our sincerity, you know, to always put God first and to have a, a foundation for our family that's based on Jesus. You know, Jesus is our core, he's our center. Isn't it wonderful? Foxes, I love it, I love it. But they're your children too, right? Okay, just, <laughs> just I was getting, I was just, just didn't know if I was looking into some new information. But anyway, I'll be honest with you, my parents did the same with us. When we were, when we were raised in Africa, literally wherever they went, we went, we were involved. And, and we were involved. In fact, my dad would tell me all the time, he'd say, come here. You've, you've got Christian parents. You've been given a head start. To whom much is given, much is required. Get to work. I was always expected to work. You need to be the leader. You need to be out there. You need to be serving. I don't want to hear your sorry stories. I mean, I mean my dad, but I just he wouldn't cut you any slack. But looking back, he pushed me into leadership. Amen? And I, can I tell you little stories? We've had young people in churches they get pushed in the tech department, and they literally can jump into another arena of work in the, in the regular secular world. This is like, this is a training ground. If your kids can come to the house, and there's no monetary uh, financial reimbursement, it's just their character to give out, you're going to raise great men and women of God that will excel in the workplace because the workplace is filled with liars, cheats, dishonest people and a lot of lazy ones out there too. But if you put your kid in here and you train them, I promise you they're on the road to success. Now here's the last one, the 10th one. This to me is big. Teach your children about the purpose for their life. This is, don't assume they'll get it. They won't get it in the world. But you got to teach them. Did you know that God's got a call on your life? Did you know that it involves somehow the Great Commission? Somehow you must be involved with reaching the world for God. You can use the business. You can be in the career and help fund it, but also be involved. You must be involved. It's, it's like your purpose is not just be successful on a job. Your purpose is kingdom purpose. you got to tell them that. And you got to say, listen, you're being raised in church to find your talents, as the foxes said. Find your gifts. Everyone's different. And when you do plug, let it grow. Let it, let, it, let it thrive. And I promise you this. When you get your children focused on what's important to God, they will begin to step into it and follow the plan of God for their life. Building, let me, let me just summarize this because i got to go. Building godly character is the goal. Godly character. So to do that, parents, you must provide leadership. Parents, you listen to me? You must provide leadership. Number two, you've got to love them unconditionally. Through the thick and the thin, the up and the down, when they're stupid and when they're smart. You love them unconditionally. And number three, you pray for them. Amen. You pray. You Listen, you put them before God and say, God, I'm loosing angels on them. And their people will come across their path to share you. And lastly, you trust God. It is a faith walk. You say, God, I'm going to love them. 
but I'm trusting you for the godly outcome. And even if your child's just astray, don't stop trusting, don't stop praying, don't stop loving in Jesus' name. And say, Lord, I've sowed not the best seeds, but I'm praying for a crop failure. And Lord, I'm calling my child a godly child, fulfilling the call of God and the purpose of heaven is on their life in Jesus' name. Amen. It takes faith. Amen. It takes faith. But these are principles. I'm sure you can come up with the other principles, but I picked the 10 I like because I'm the pastor. But let's pray and let's ask God to help us. Father, I want to... Thank you once again for listening to World Harvest Church's podcast. World Harvest Church is pastored by Pastor Merrick and Linda Houghton in Roswell, Georgia. If you're interested in learning more about us, please visit our website at whcga.com. Like our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel by typing WHCGA into the search bar on both platforms. And we hope you have a blessed week.